Well, dear friends, first of all, I would ask you to please turn to Proverbs chapter 28. We'll be considering also that a little portion there from the book of the Revelation where we read earlier. Revelation chapter 20. And then we'll come back to some other portions of Scripture. But I do want to, first of all, garner our thoughts by some verses the Holy Spirit gives here in Proverbs 28. And use these words, really, and these thoughts to get us to think about our sin, all of us, whether we're Christians or not. Especially want to address, with the Lord's help this evening, the unsaved. These are very... Sobering words, these are very compelling words that we find in verse 13 and 14 of Proverbs 28. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Happy is the man that feareth alway. But he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Happy is the man that feareth alway. He that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. The Lord helping me this evening. Often in the book of Proverbs we find contrasts and comparisons. Very often you'll find this as you go from verse to verse. And what God is doing by his Spirit is comparing those who are saved and those who are lost. Those who are described as sinners. Of course, we're all sinners by nature. But then there are the saved sinners who are made righteous through God's righteousness. That's the righteousness of his Son. They are justified in God. God justifies the ungodly. This is what we're told. Many times in the scripture, they are made righteous. We're told in Isaiah 54, verse 17, that the inheritance of God's children is his righteousness. He imputes his own righteousness to his people. But those same people confess their sin. They always repent. They repent, and repentance, of course, not only means confessing our sin, but forsaking our sin. Look at the text. He that covereth his sins, it's not just sin, sins, shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. That forsaking really means turning around in the opposite direction to sinning. Then doing what is right. Not just stop doing things. Paul says to young Timothy, flee sin, flee youthful lusts, and pursue righteousness. The person that is merely stopping doing things that are wrong is not a a saved person. They're seeking to just stop to do things, but they have no heart for God, no desire for God. And I want to bring to our mind's eye something very important here. God has said, my friend, if you are unsaved, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. I ask you that question. 
So you cover your sins. There are various ways that men can cover their sins. One way is say, well, I'm not really a a bad sinner. Really? Well, that's a sin in itself. And especially if we say, we're told in the New Testament, in 1 John, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. And we make God to be a liar, for God has declared that you and I are sinners. All have come short of his glory. All have sinned. There is not one that is righteous. No, not one. And God would be right to send all of us to hell. We read there in the book of the Revelation how we saw how the books will be opened up on that final day as we all stand before that great white throne of judgment, white really just to present to our minds it's a throne of purity, spotless light and majesty. And there will be nothing that is hidden that will not be revealed on that day. The Lord Jesus said it. Everything that is hidden shall be revealed. And every idle word that we have spoken, we have committed sins with our tongues, my friends. We have committed sins today with our tongues. We've said things, done things, that have offended not only others, but we have offended God. Do you realize when David sinned, against Bathsheba and Uriah. He put Uriah to death and he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And he said to the Lord, against thee and thee alone, Lord, have I sinned. You say, how does that figure? Well, my friend, when God made man, he made him upright. And to not live upright is to sin against God. You know, any sin is transgression ultimately against God. God gave man a a perfect wife. Yes, she was. And he was a perfect man. He made man upright. But they both chose sin. And they committed murder. Adam committed murder. He was warned. Adam, the day that thou sinnest, Thou shalt surely die. She knew that truth when Satan came and presented that temptation. She knew the truth. She expressed it to Satan. She said, God has said. And you know what God has said. Your conscience has accused you and me of the things that we have done wrong. The scripture says here, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. My father used to say, there's nothing worse than a liar. He said, a liar is worse than a thief. Sure, you've heard that. At least the thief will own up to what he's done. A liar will continue to to lie and cover up his sin. And you know, lies don't just come in ones, my friend. But in a whole pack of lies. Because we're making up lies to cover the other lie. And really the whole of one's life can be lived as a lie. You deny God. Do you deny that he's been watching you this week? 
Do you deny, deny that he's been watching you even today? Do you deny that even he's been seeing your prayer, hearing your prayer? We're told that he will not hear the prayer of the wicked. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. If you say that you have no sin and you deceive yourself and you make yourself to be better than other people and you think you're something, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. And what is it to sin? I'll tell you what sin is. It's transgression of the law. What is the law? The Lord Jesus summarized it. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And by the way, that's not the very first time we, we hear a summary of the law. You can read that in Leviticus 19. And love thy neighbor as thyself. It was already summarized there in the Old Testament. And that's why when he said to the scribe, when the scribe said, what's the chief commandment? The Lord Jesus said, it is to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Now I put it to you, my friend. Have you done that? If you haven't, and you still say you're good, you're covering your sin. And if you cover your sin, you will not prosper. You know, a man may say he's good. A man may even think he's good. Because he's measuring himself up against other people. But what absolute folly to measure yourself up against another midget man. And I don't mean to be condescending. We're all great and unworthy sinners. And what a foolish thing to compare yourself with other people. You must compare yourself, my friend, with what God's word says a man should be. The Lord has said, Thou knowest, O man, what God requireth of thee. To do justice and to love mercy. Have you done that? We haven't done that. And so, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. That's what, that's what other religions do. In fact, other religions just cover sin. When you look at the religions of this world, they're covering sin. They're saying, well, just do some things. Uh, do some things. Uh, the, the, the rich young ruler came to the Lord Jesus and said, what must I do? See, he's still got an insect. What must I do to have eternal life? He didn't get it. He could never have eternal life. Because that young man was deceiving himself. When the Lord Jesus said, have you kept the commandments? Oh yes, I have. And by the way, I've done it since youth. I've kept all the commandments. Self-deceived. And that's how people are, my friend. He was covering his sin. He couldn't prosper. He was looking how to try to gain eternal life, but he could never because he was still covering his sin, covering up. No, he hadn't kept the commandments and none of us have, friends. And he couldn't advance. He couldn't prosper. He was never suing for mercy. You see, 
For him, it wasn't about mercy. For him, it was about merit. He thought he had merited so much. And my friends, all you've merited is hell. All you've merited is God's judgment. Do you realize that? Right now, if he were to take you, my friend, he'd be right. To damn you forever. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. You never will. As I said, all the religions of this world, look at them. And if you, you do a proper analysis of them, five prayers a day, this religion, go on this holy pilgrimage here, do this little thing, have this little relic, touch this thing, don't handle this thing. The things in order for you to try to merit favor with God. But what about your sin? You're covering it. And there's no hope for such a person. You're lost. The religions of this world cover sin and there's no atonement. But look, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Now the problem with the religions of this world is who do they confess to? An idol? An object that can't speak? And they can't do anything about your sin anyway. They can't take away sin. They can't. But you see, the living God hears the prayer of the people. He hears silent prayer. He sees the prayer of the heart. He says, he that is of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. I tell you, there's a wonderful picture. We have Hannah, don't we, in 1 Samuel. And we read that her lips moved. There was nothing audible coming out of her mouth in that prayer. But we have a wonderful record. We're told Eli thought she was drunk. But the Lord heard her prayer. You see, it's proof that God hears the heart. But God knows the heart of everyone that truly comes to him in sincerity. Well, she was broken over the situation. She knew herself to be a sinner. But she was distressed over all that was taking place, unfairness. And the Lord heard her in her distress and cry. My friend, the Lord hears. He knows the heart. He knows our thoughts. And you can't hide anything from God. He knows your thoughts right now, where your mind is, where your affections are, what you're thinking. And you have forgotten so much of your sins that you've already committed. The sins of your youth. David says, Lord, remember not the sins of my youth. You know, I forget a lot of the sins of my youth. I remember many of them. But I can tell you this, I probably can't remember half of them. But everything is written and recorded in the annals of heaven. We read that the books, we read it, didn't we? Shall be opened up and men shall be judged for their works. That's things that you've done. My friend, you will stand before God in everything that you and I have done in our lives. And, and there'll be no hope. 
The one that has never confessed their sin. The one that's never forsaken. The one that confesses and forsakes will have mercy. What mercy is that? It is the mercy of God in his son. Because the Lord sent his son into this world to die for sinners. To live for them and to die for them. And everyone that confesses their sins, God hears. And the one whom God hears, you can be sure of it. That very God sent his son to die for such a person. He didn't die for the sins of everybody, but everybody that repents, everybody that confesses. Do you remember what the Lord Jesus said concerning the, the Pharisee and the tax collector? Remember the two in the temple, they went up to pray. The Pharisee, he's, he's praising himself. I thank God I'm not like him. Or the rest, I do this, I do that. It was all how good he was. You ask some people, if God were to let you into heaven, why would he let you in? Well, I went to church last week. I did this, I've done that. That's self-praise. That person's hiding their sin. But there is the, the tax collector. His heart was paining so much because he had seen his sin and he was saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He could not so much as lift his eyes to heaven. He was not covering his sin. But he was saying, God, be merciful to me. And the Lord Jesus said, that man, that man, not the other one, went home justified. Right with God. You see, let me say it this way. God gives a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It's not of man. Man's heart is very hard. And when God saves, he makes a man happy because his sins are forgiven. Because a great debt has been taken away. He knows that he will not have to pay for it. Notice verse 14. Happy is the man that feareth always. We sang in that Psalm 130. There is mercy with the Lord that he might be feared. And you notice happy is the man that feareth always. You say, well, this sounds strange. How can a man be happy if he fears? Well, Maybe you don't understand what this happiness is. Let me try to explain. This man that fears is happy because God has brought him to a place of forgiveness. And as he fears God, his ways are blessed now. And he lives a happy and a blessed life. Because you know them that fear God need fear nothing else. He will not withhold anything good from them. You know, the one thing needful in life is to fear God. And that's the gift of God. And he makes a man happy. And he makes you content. And he makes you to see, you know, this world is, is a sinking ship. And there's no hope in it. And you, you can earn a lot of money and you can have this and you can have that, but my friend, your life's going to be a disaster without God. You're going to be a miserable man. You might be successful. You might be a successful TV presenter, sports person, this, that, but you're going to be lost. And you'll stand before God one day. What are you going to do then? 
The text says, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. You won't. But how happy it is to lay down your head at night and to know that if God rolls back the heavens and then in the very next instance you are in the presence of the Lord, you won't be fearing like many who will be crying for the rocks and the mountains to fall upon them for the wrath of the Lamb has come. Happy is the man that feareth always. You'll be happy in this life. You fear God. But my friend, there is there's no happiness without confessing your sin. I remember when I first began to confess my sin to God. To feel that mighty weight of relief unburdened upon God. Who knew all that I had done in my life. And I could leave it with him. Why? Because he dealt with my sin. When did he deal with my sin? When he made my saviour my hiding place. I want you to turn just briefly to Isaiah 32. This is well-known portion to many of us. But it's always worth visiting. You know, let me give a little introduction. Isaiah speaks so much of the Lord Jesus who was to come and who has come. We find the name Emmanuel several times in the book of Isaiah. And Emmanuel means God with us, doesn't it? I shall call his name Emmanuel, which meaning God with us. God did come into this world. And God had to come into this world in the person of his son to take away the sin of his people. Now notice Isaiah 32. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness. That could never be said. First of all, let me say, as we've been thinking through the book of Kings, We've seen them in our studies in the mornings, the Lord's Day years. We've been going through. There's been some fairly good kings, but they're all sinners. But none of them could say that they reigned in righteousness. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. We know God's people are called princes, that they are even called kings and priests, the priesthood of all believers. But I want you to notice, and a man shall be as an hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. I put it to you, my friends, that there is no other man that has ever lived in this world that could ever be a sinner's hiding place than the Lord Jesus. It says here, and a man shall be as a hiding place. Place from the wind 
and are covered from the tempest. My friends, there is coming a great awful tempest of God's judgment upon us all. And Jesus Christ is this king that shall one day reign in righteousness. That is, without, he has no sin of himself and he shall have a kingdom. Wherein we read, dwelleth righteousness. How will his people get to that kingdom? First of all, by the shedding of his blood. And by his righteousness. That's how he saves everyone into his kingdom. You notice, behold, a king shall reign. He will reign, we know from Psalm 72, forever. He is coming. He is called the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And a king shall reign in righteousness. And notice, and a man shall be as an hiding place. We sometimes sing, hiding in thee. Thou blessed rock of ages, I'm hiding in thee. You know when Moses was told he could not see the glory of the Lord, the Lord said to him, go in the cleft of the rock and hide yourself there. And he saw the back parts of God. And let me say this, friends. Jesus Christ is the hiding place for the sinner. Why? How? How, how is he the hiding place? Let me tell you. The wrath of God is met upon him for his people. And wrath can never visit Jesus Christ again. I want you to think about it. We're told there in Isaiah that upon that cross of Calvary that Jesus Christ was bearing divine wrath. It says, Paul says, God spared not his son. Why? Because he was bearing the sin of many. It says in Isaiah 53, And my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. If you just turn over to Isaiah 53, notice with me, should be very familiar to us here, prophetically speaking of the work of Jesus Christ. Verse 10 of Isaiah 53, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, and he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand, he shall see the travail of his soul. My friend, at Calvary, he was travailing in trouble and shall be satisfied as he was bearing the mighty load of sin of his people. See him there in the garden of Gethsemane, sweating great drops, as it were, of blood to the ground, knowing all the agony that he would have to endure for the sins of his people. Why? To save them. That's why. Isaiah 53, verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. That's for all of his work. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. That word justify means to make right. For he shall notice, bear their iniquities. You come back here to Isaiah 32. 
A man shall be made as an hiding place on that day of judgment. The Christian's only hope will be Jesus died for me. And that's my hope. There's another book we're told there that is opened up. It's the Lamb's Book of Life. Who are they? All that have confessed and forsaken their sin are those people in that Lamb's Book of Life. He received them. And he never cast them away. Every time they sinned, they believed, as John says, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. And let me say this, the Christian never stops confessing his sin. My friend, don't get this silly idea. This is something we do once. But it's something the Christian realizes I have so much more sin than I ever realized. And every time we find the Lord Jesus to be a hiding place. Every time. Every time. Look at the text. Isaiah 32. And a man shall be as an hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest. The Bible uses this word tempest many times. The tempest we're told in Psalm 12 and Psalm 14 of God's wrath that is coming upon this world. Paul speaks of the wrath of coming, God coming upon men in this world because of their sin. But those that confess and forsake it will always find the Lord Jesus to be their hiding place. What kind of a hiding place is he? He's a covert from the tempest. But also notice there's something more beautiful about him as rivers of water. If you look at this text, the Lord Jesus, he is that river, as Psalm 46 says, that makes glad the city of God, the city of God are his people. And when we confess our sins, we not only find that we have forgiveness and we're with peace with God, but we drink sweetly and deeply from his word. And my, we begin to have real life as rivers of water in a dry place. That's this world. It's a dry world. Look at the woman. She, she meets with Christ at Jacob's well and she leaves her pot behind. She forgets what she went there in the first place for because she's so taken up with the Lord Jesus. She says, come, see a man that told me all things I ever did. Is this not the Christ? And you see, Christ becomes your life as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock. My friends, that is also who Christ is, the scorching sun of this world and the trials of this life. You know how the Lord Jesus Christ illustrates there in Matthew 13 of how when some seed falls upon ground that is very hard, the sun rises up and that seed scorches down. But Christ is a shadow to his people. So that when trials come, we hide in him. And, and the trials of this life are, are not so hard for us. Because we, we, we find we have a real friend. A friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That will never forsake us. 
the one who, who died for us on a cross, is our shadow in a dry, harsh world. You consider in your life, maybe you've had friends. And so often, even our best of friends can forsake us. But sometimes we sing, don't we? What a friend we have in Jesus. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. My friend, he is a shadow. In a weary land, when the sun of trial and tribulation comes, we don't perish with the world, and we don't despair, but when the trials come, we take great comfort in him. And notice, and the eyes of them that see shall not be dim. What do we see? We see him, who was made a little lower than the angels. And the ears of them that hear shall hearken. We hear God's word. We hear the truth. And his word is sweet to our ears. It's life. The heart also of the rash shall understand knowledge. We were rash before. We were foolish. But now we've come to his light. We read in Song of Solomon, I sat down under the shadow of his tree. And his fruit was sweet to my taste. Let me ask you, friend. Have you really sat down under his tree? Have you really sat down under Christ and received of him? The person that covers his sin will never experience Christ. Look at the text again, Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But look at the Christian in the house of God. He flourishes like the palm tree. Even in old age, he bears fruit. You say, my, these, these old Christians, look at them. They're full of life, full of energy. What makes them tick? Christ. That's all. No magic power in us. No glory to us. Him. He's the explanation for all things. But you carry on, my friend. You say, I have no real sin. I'm not really a great sinner. Well, have you begun to confess your sin? Because I tell you, the more when you begin to confess your sin, you begin to find out you've got a lot more than you realize you thought you had in the first place. That was certainly my experience. You begin to remember stuff. But you forgot. And God gently brings it to your remembrance. I tell you, if God brought everything to my remembrance the day I was saved, I might have even died of a heart attack. The thing is, we don't realize how half sinners. We realize how half sinners we are. But thank God we can confess our sin. And you know, the Bible tells us to confess our sin. God commands all men everywhere, my friend, to repent. Why? Because there is a day of judgment. 
you have sinned. And God will judge a man for his sin. But those who confess and forsake their sin, praise God, will find mercy. The mercy of his son. You know, when the Queen of Sheba came to see Solomon, she said, the half was not told me. And let me tell you this, it's always true for those who had heard about Christ. But when they come to him, they say, you know what? The half was not told me of how wonderful he is, how precious he is. My friend, he's friend for life and for eternity. He's the one who went to the cross for his people to bear all their iniquities. And do you think for a moment, if he bore the sins of his people, that he will ever cast them away? You won't, my friend. Not even Peter, who denied him. The Lord restored, Peter, I know what you're going to do. But Peter, I've prayed for you. I was always quite scared. When the Lord saved me, will I deny him? Well, I really believe that's a sign of somebody that is genuinely born again. They're afraid of falling. Because they know their own hearts. They know their own weakness. If you don't, you're still covering your sin. And you'll not prosper. Seek him, his very gracious friend. He forsakes his sin, confesses it, will find mercy. Look, here's a hiding place. You say, well, what's God done with my sin? Well, the sinner that truly repents must know that God has judged it. Let me close with this illustration. It's an old illustration. It's a true one. In the old wild west, there was a great fire. The days of the cowboys and Indians. And many of these cowboys were faced with fire. And there was a wise old Indian man there. And he could see these men were desperate, frantic for their lives. Where do we go? We see fire all around us. My friend, that's true. There's the fire of the wrath of God to come. But where do you go? The wise old Indian chief said, you go where the fire's been. You see all the burnt ash there? That's the safest place. And in Christ, my friend, the wrath of God was met for his people. And sin can never meet upon those who are in Christ. Because they're in him, and he is in them forever. That's the safest place, and that is where you must go this night. Flee from the wrath to come. He is a hiding place. Confess your sin. The only hope is Jesus Christ. All God's people will. The fool will say, I'll stand before God. I'm not so bad. Pastor, switch off the sermon now, please. We want to go home. You will not have peace. Now, neither forever. 
May God open eyes to see Christ. Confess sins and know the mercy of God in his Son. Amen. Amen.